morning and welcome to Baltimore Real Estate Full Circle. Today we have the privilege and the honor to be with Baltimore Real Estate Commissioner Alice Kennedy. And we will be going through a few very important questions that any local real estate investor might have and how the city is trying to actually work with your local investor to really make things go a lot more smooth in your day-to-day tasks, to rent out your property, to flip your property. And lo and behold, Miss Alice Kennedy, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into real estate? Well, thanks thanks for having me this morning. And uh, really great to be here and have an ability to kind of share not just a little bit about myself and background, but what the Department of Housing and Community Development is doing across the city. Um, to you know, revitalize our communities and, and really address things. So a little bit in terms of my background, I've been with the city for a number of years now. I started actually in the city's sustainability um, office and department of planning back in 2009, working on some projects um, and have you know, worked in the sustainability world, worked on the city's first climate action plan, updates to our sustainability plan, um, then a lot of solar energy, low-income solar focus, um, housing work, you know, repair work that's needed and so forth. And then came over to the Department of Housing and Community Development where I didn't have to think about the entire city in terms of sustainability, but really kind of hone in and focus on housing, community development, um, the intersection of health and housing, which is extremely important when we think about our city. Um, and you know everybody from age zero to you know a hundred or you know until the day that they pass um, but and I bring a pretty wide background to this work so um, you know I've I have a background in public policy creation I've been president of a democratic pack I've done community organizing like on the ground boots, door, door knocking, organizing work. Um, I've been a real estate agent, so I know the entire uh, process of buying and selling a property in the city of, in, in the state of Maryland and helping someone get through that process, um, helping someone do a lease, kind of what to look for, helping someone get through a home inspection, um, financing, you know, getting try to get to the closing table and having someone's you know underwriter and the loan processor getting back to you like at you know hour 48 before closing (laughs) and saying we still need two more documents and you're pulling your hair out and then you have to negotiate to try to get an extension and all that fun stuff right that goes into this um and you know growing up i also my dad was a contractor a small contractor he had a, a general contracting business he um you know, would do uh, some everything from larger jobs of additions and things to kind of smaller jobs. And I grew up like working with him. So I know how to swing a hammer. Um, I know how to read plans. Um, I can, you know, do everything from framing and, and painting and some minor plumbing electrical I stay away from sometimes I just uh, don't there's something about that fear of being electrocuted that gets me a little bit Um, but I know what goes into that work as well right like um, what you need to do the order of a scope of work what makes sense to do first then second then last when you're thinking about the rehabilitation of a property 
um, what it takes in terms of getting structural engineers involved, um, permits, plans, all of that, you know, good stuff. And, um, you know, also looking at what um, it takes just from legal and, and public policy components, right? And how we think about um, operations. I've been an operations manager for years. Um, and so operations comes pretty easily to me in terms of like marrying policy and vision with also kind of knowing, okay, this is the vision, this is our goal, this is a really innovative way to think about it. And then almost immediately the brain goes to kind of five steps down the line to be like, okay, well, in order to do that, we need a red pen to come in at this point in time or something. Um, so it, it, it's fun for this work because that is kind of what this is. It's a vision for Baltimore City. It's, it's helping to fulfill um, Mayor Scott and his administration and his goals for equitable neighborhood development, equitable community development, um, as well as you know, pushing forward our work within the Department of Housing Community Development um, with our community development framework, uh, with our goals on creating affordable housing, both affordable rental, affordable home ownership, um, allocating resources to communities across the city that have historically been disinvested. And also really important is doing that work and carrying out that work with an understanding that everyone within the agency of the Department of Housing and Community Development is showing up to do this work, including myself, knowing that we're actively redressing racist housing policies of the past that have divided our city, that have um, caused a significant amount of trauma to members of our city and residents of our city. And really, how are we, um, how are we, how are we showing up to repair that and heal, heal that? Um, and so it's, it's carrying out that vision, but with a real um, foundational understanding that we have to have that at the forefront of the work that we do. Right, 100%. And I'd love to see how you brought together your entire past experiences, whether it be in the beginning, like you said, when you were part of that Democratic Party, going door to door and making things happen and taking the experience you learned from your father. And like when you mentioned electrical, I was like, yeah, I remember recently you had a rental property where something was off with the electrical. It was a minor thing. And I'm like, should I do it? Should I hire someone? Like, I think I'm just going to hire someone. I'd rather my wife know that I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to like, oh, wow, what's going on with him today? Yeah. Uh, so I definitely, definitely hear that. And it's amazing to see how you could take all of that and put it into your experience and your day-to-day -day work and helping out Baltimore City. And I think when we were talking earlier, before the podcast started, um, so we we're talking about like New York and how that works. And I think that, like you mentioned, I feel like one of the very amazing things about Baltimore is that what you do could have a really big effect. And some other places that's established, it's like you come in, you come out, you're like, it's a processor, you know, you're just in and out. But in Baltimore, you could have a huge effect on how this place is going to look in 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. And it's amazing to see that that's a possibility. And you're focused on, like you said, you're focused on helping people, you know, on both ends of it, from what it seems like to me, you're helping both the people that need housing and the people supplying housing to put them together. And let's see how we could come together and make it happen. And obviously, 
it's not simple and there is no one answer. There's always going to be hiccups. And that's what I feel like a lot of investors today probably feel that as well. And there are people that are frustrated, people aren't frustrated. But like any job, you can never be perfect. You can't please everyone. And it's good to see that you're coming out there making things happen. And with that, we get into our next question. What do you see today that's out there for your local investor? Let's say you're looking to flip a property. Interest rates are like 6 to 7%. You're trying to make it work, but it's not easy. So like, what, what do you think today the local government's doing to really help out your local investor? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple things. One, um, we really want to focus our work, too, on supporting supporting investors, developers that want to be working in, in, in Baltimore City. And we want to support them not just financially to try to make it work. We know that there are appraisal gap uh, issues if you're looking to sell. We know that even that comes into play in terms of trying to make uh, different rentals work, You know, especially deeply affordable rentals if you're trying to assist in that area. Um, but we also want to provide connection and support because one of the biggest things for us, right, when we talked about, when I just talked about the, the repair and the healing that's needed is connecting um, those that are interested or investing in the city with the community that they're working in. Because that is part of what you said, like you can be in Baltimore and you're going to really have an impact on what the city looks like over the next, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 years. But the biggest piece of that outside of like monetary, right, trying to make the, 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 the money work and the funding work and, and to get there, which we know is a big part of this, is um, also helping to ensure that the community engagement, the community support is there, um, that, you know, you're working not just in a community, but with a community and helping to make those connections so that it makes it easier for everybody as well. Because that's one of the key biggest things for us is um, having people that are developing, that are investing in the city, um, doing that in a um, thoughtful, intentional and um, collaborative way and respectful way with the community where they're doing the work, right? Um, so that being said, if you're, if you're showing up to the table, if you're doing that, if you're engaging with the community, if you're, if, if you're learning who the community association presidents are, the people on the block that you're working on, that, you know, Miss Smith that's lived there for 50 years and different things like that, um, we do have some financial resources available. So as you might know, there's over, just over 14,000 um, vacant properties in the city of Baltimore. Um, those aren't the vacant lots. That's just the vacant properties that have the formal vacant building notice or what we call the VBN on the property. So the opportunities there, there's a ton of opportunity. Um, we have what we call our impact investment areas, which are seven different geographic areas uh, across the city. Um, and in those areas, we have been doing uh, concentrated community engagement with block level planning. So looking at our different blocks and having an understanding of how many properties on that block are we looking to rehab how many are privately owned vacants, how many are publicly owned vacants, how many existing residents are on the block that we wanna assist with home repair, Um, are there any demolitions that need to happen, are there any emergency stabilizations that need to happen, all of those different type of things. Um, A lot of those, a lot of that work happens with, like I said, 
all of the work happens with the community in terms of the planning. The reminder piece is, is that of those 14,000, just over 14,000 vacant properties, um, the majority of them are privately owned. And we have a new tool in our toolbox at the city, which is called in-rem tax sale foreclosure, so, um, or tax lien foreclosure. For years, the city has done tax sale foreclosure on properties. It's a, about a two-year process. Some of the people that are listening might you know, engage in that process on your own as a way to obtain properties across the city. It's a long process. It takes time. It takes time for the city. It takes time for the private investor. In-rem tax lien foreclosure is our new tool in the toolbox. Is it a magic wand? No. But is it going to greatly help us advance uh, this work? Yes. Because it's now the least expensive way for us to acquire properties at the city level. It's, it's staff, it's the attorneys, it's, it's paper, um, you know, but that's the least expensive than having to like pay fair market value or, or, or do um, a case there. And now instead of a two-year process for a tax sale foreclosure, we're going to be able to take title to that property in anywhere from five months to about nine months wow. is what we're looking at. So our inventory at the city is about to get much larger, right? And we are we're looking at needing to know who's in the pipeline, who is out there, who has resources, who is interested in, in participating and being part of um, you know, this additional kind of renaissance of Baltimore, the additional allocation of funds across Baltimore. Um, but I'm going to emphasize again that that's going to involve relationships with with the community, right? So if if we're going to be working, let's say in you know one of our communities that we work in, we have one right now that's interested in looking at, um, you know, kind of putting out a request for qualification, see seeing who's interested, what are per, what are investors' capacity, you know, different things like that. So we're going to have more inventory. And we're also looking at, um, we've put out for public comment, we received the public comment, it's gonna go out again, a standardized pricing model. So it kind of takes out the guesswork on how much the, the properties will be. It's gonna streamline the time frame um, to move those properties, to get to closing, to then so that work can get started. Um, and with that, in the impact investment areas, we do have some opportunities for funding for those developer incentives to help close that appraisal gap because that's one of the biggest thing that is there as well with a focus on home ownership outcomes um you know to try because that is that's one of the things we've heard and also trying to get to some affordable home ownership outcomes where it might not just be the appraisal gap but it might be additional subsidy to bring the um, buyer's costs down, you know, to a, a more affordable mortgage rate as well. So there's a lot of opportunity. Um, there are ways that we're looking to make it easier um, for the developers and the in and investors to be in this space. And there is uh, some funding available out there to help in that too. Amazing. And it's there's so much to talk about in literally everything you just said. There's so much. And to even just piggyback of one of the issues you mentioned, which is actually really funny because there's a few questions we got, quite a few, and there was two questions that I found ironic because one question was, how could we take a lot of vacant properties and now start getting them ready to be sold? 
And then another question was, how are you taking properties that are owned by private owners and now selling them? So it's just funny to see how like two different investors could have two opposite questions. And like, it just shows you how like there's so much turmoil. And I think that with this REM, you know, program you're talking about, um, which I do want to ask a little bit more questions about, but you're going to be able to streamline it and we're not taking people's properties. If you don't pay your taxes for long enough, as she legally, you got to do something with it. And I know people buy properties and then when it fails, they just leave it for years. I know personally people that have done that, leave it in LLC, let it burn, and then they don't really care, right? So that is something that happens. Um, and yeah, you should definitely be have the opportunity to take that property, give it to someone else that has a dream for the property, for the homeowner that's going to buy it after he reads has it, and make something happen. So let's start off with what's the most basic way you would say for your simple investor to understand the difference between how the process worked before and how now you guys are really able to take it and really streamline it? Yep. I think the biggest piece is, is that we've had different tools in our toolbox at the city for property acquisition. A lot of those tools um, have, re have relied on needing a significant amount of capital funding to do the acquisition, right? To, to uh, pay um, whether or not that be, you know, through a condemnation case or even through a um, private negotiation of a sale, you know, trying to get to something based on assessed value or, or uh, appraised value. We've always had um, the legal authority to perform tax sale foreclosure which is if you're not paying your taxes or if you have a significant amount of liens that exists, like properties can go in tax sale and then um, they can be foreclosed upon. Um, and we've always had that and, and we've done a number of those cases uh, per year, but those cases take a long time. So the key thing within REM and what is different with the in REM tax sale foreclosure is that we can now do that tax sale foreclosure if the liens exceed the assessed value of the property so like when you're looking on sdat and it has the assessed value and let's say that there's a vacant property and the assessed value is twenty two thousand dollars and the current liens are thirty thousand we can now start a tax sale foreclosure case on that without needing the tax sale certificate because that's the other piece is that tax sale certificates expire right and sometimes you get caught in that loop of like, oh, well, we could be doing this, but then the tax sale certificate expires and so forth. So we don't need to be waiting for the certificate. Um, we actually can just look, see that the liens are greater than the assessed value, pull title work, you know, do proper service, and then move that through the court. It's a circuit court case. Um, this is a partnership. We're testing this out now because it's a new, this is new and we're testing it. We're, we're working through the kinks with the court system, how this is going to work. It's, they created and, and we worked in partnership with them to create the streamlined, um, the streamlined kind of court process. So we're guaranteed a court date within a certain period of time, you know, different pieces like that. Um, but we still have to do service. So there's notices that go out, you know, and, and anybody that owns that property has the ability to show up if they're there to show up um, to contest that process in court through the court process, right? Um, and that streamlined process, and because we don't have to have the tax sale certificate, there isn't kind of a waiting period, there's other pieces, the service is very clearly laid out. 
um, we're looking at that process going anywhere from five to nine months and dependent upon different components because sometimes there have been some things that have come up in a case so you might have to the judge might be like yeah we can't do this now or the magistrate's like yep we're going to do the you know we need another court date on it um so that's really the biggest difference is that because of the fact that the liens are greater than the assessed value we can just go ahead and start taking that action and that's that's a very very good point because i cannot tell you countless amount of times we work with property owners in all over baltimore city west baltimore east baltimore where we get it under contract, we run some basic, you know, some properties you gotta run some basic stuff before as much as you can, and you think it's all good, and then you get like two weeks in, your title company's like, the guy's buying it for 30, the taxes on it are like 50K, like, and that's it. That's the end of everything, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you could put in all the work, like you said before, you come to the table, I mean, at this point, a little before the table, but still, you come to that point, and it's like, wow, people are just, it's, it's just crazy to see as an agent every day how many people and how many properties are just taxes are not paid, water bills not paid. And that is not only an issue for your the government, it's an issue for your investor because people can invest when they're stuck trying to buy a property that the taxes are just way too much. So that essentially what you guys are doing, which is saying, hey, here's assessed value, here's the liens and the taxes, Let's not waste time anymore. Let's get something done. And there are a lot of people, and that's another amazing thing I personally seen in Baltimore, not just when it comes to local government, but local investor is not like, you know, you these days you have a lot of these hedge funds in different parts of the country that are just buying out areas. They don't care about the people. They don't know the difference. And like we see, I think Zillow, right? When they bought a lot in Florida, they have no clue what they're doing and they got hit. But in Baltimore specifically, a lot of the investors are local people that grew up here and they really want to make a difference, right? They'll build a house and get connected to programs so that they could sell it to someone. It could be a family member, it could be anyone, but to help them move into a house that's brand new in a similar location to where they grew up. And I've seen this so many times and I love talking to those people. And I think I'm going to actually interview at some point quite a few of them because they might be looked over a lot because, oh, it's just another investor. But to hear how someone you know, grew up somewhere and they said, you know what? I see these vacant properties and I want to rehab them. And mm-hmm. I could do it and then get connected and make it happen. And to see that like circle of government getting involved and your investor getting involved. And now with this REM, I hope that these kind of investors will be able to come out even more. And hopefully soon interest rates might go down. I mean, who knows at this point, right? Yeah. Um, that's already way beyond the scope of Baltimore City's government. <laughs> yeah. uh, so hopefully interest rates come down. But even if not, I mean, if we have this REM process and, and prices, you know, at some point something makes sense, hopefully these investors, along with other investors, but hopefully these investors are able to come back to their community and really ramp it up. Mm-hmm. And we see that all over East Baltimore right now where so many areas over COVID had so much growth, so much growth. You're talking about like, 21206 area code, 21213 area code, 21218, 21212, going up York Road, like so many areas have seen so much growth and people flocking there and really just life growing. And recently I was actually driving to a property on off of North Avenue. You probably know the project on North Avenue in Utah place, a mm-hmm. huge project. So there's so much life and, and things going on in Baltimore. 
and really that's that's you know really going and working with the city and with that i would love to get into maybe if you guys have any future insights of <laughs> aside from the rem program but other programs you think that might be yeah. in the works that you could talk about that might help a local investor see what i could do in this opportunity i think like i said i'm not gonna i'm gonna continue to stress the importance of um, the involvement with communities. So we're going to have uh, different opportunities coming up um, with different communities that are looking to kind of bring investors in. So there's going to be some requests for qualifications that are going to be going out um, looking for developers that are interested in working in communities, which involves, you know, f completing a, a, a form providing information, doing interviews with the community members, um, you know, looking at, like I said, that relationship, because it isn't just about coming in and then leaving. We really are looking for um, our, you know, community members. And like you just said, like people that have lived in Baltimore, grew up in Baltimore, um, want to be part of, part of this work. How can we help them also grow their business and be supportive of their entrepreneurial spirit um, workforce development is extremely important as part of this because, you know, we need people to be able to um, take advantage of the job opportunities on the construction side that come along. So there's going to be additional work that's coming because it's not just about um, the person coming in and buying the property and paying the bills, but it's also about the people that are doing the work, the construction work, who's being hired, are they from the community, are they you know willing are able to grow do they have the education they need how are we supporting everybody in the circle including then the the person that either comes in to buy the property you know that has been a renter for years but now wants an affordable property to stay in their neighborhood or um how are we helping the renter be able to you know stay in an affordable property as a rental because that's something that we need one program i do want to mention right now is um there is a program out and it's in certain neighborhoods um, that's targeted, it's, it's Buy Back the Block. And this is a program that Live Baltimore has and we've uh, partnered with them in terms of um, how they've thought about the program. It overlays with our community development framework, it overlays with our middle neighborhood strategy because that's part of it. Like we have our neighborhoods that are severely distressed, that have seen disinvestment, that have high number of vacants and we also have middle neighborhoods. Um, where we want to ensure that they remain stable and, and don't decline, but remain stable and, and also see growth, right? Um, so we've partnered with Live Baltimore, so they have a program now. Um, and it actually grew out of some conversations with property owners that had a number of properties in their portfolio. And they were like, uh, maybe I want to unload a couple of them, you know, short, like, shrink my portfolio a little bit um and they were trying to find a way to help their tenants that were in the property purchase the property from them um so buy back the block is a focus it has money that's available for down down payment and closing cost assistance which can be coupled with our other uh, down payment and closing cost assistance programs that we run out of the city and then it also if it's a property that also needs some um maybe some minor rehab work done or some sprucing up. There's also uh, funding available to that buyer for uh, some of the repair work as well on the property. So, um, and they can purchase anywhere 
they can either purchase the property that they're renting or they can purchase a property in the neighborhood where they're currently renting. So it's a way to also help support uh, those residents that are tenants that do want to become homeowners and help them uh, realize uh, that dream as well. Wow, that, that's really amazing. And I think that hopefully we'll see a lot more of that. And as like you said, having more con construction jobs out there will let a lot of your average day-to-day people get into it. And then when they need a rehab, they can save costs on that end. I mean, it's a really, it's a full picture. And I wanna just end off with a couple of questions mm-hmm. that we had from some investors that we work with. And you know, we could finish off from there, but let's, I feel like a lot of these questions probably were answered in our conversation, just you know, going through everything. But let's, let's start off. Um, well, the first question was, how does Baltimore City work with investors to re, you know, rehab properties? But I think we probably covered that right now with the rent program and like you said, with Live Baltimore. So we could, we could skip that one. And look at this, the next question was one house at a time. We covered that. Um, yep, Baltimore City does cover subsidies for real estate investors. There you go. Um, well, the next one, I don't know if it pertains to you as much, but the question is a little more out there, number six, mm-hmm. which is what can Baltimore City do to limit the unlawful dumping on properties? Yeah. So this does, so within the Department of Housing Community Development, we actually have our special, we have two different things. We have our code enforcement division, which are our property maintenance inspectors that are out every day, um, which that's something that I advise everybody to do. If you're working in Baltimore City, Um, on your properties, whether or not you've purchased the property from the city, whether or not you've purchased the property from one house at a time, from one of the receivership auctions, whether or not you've purchased the property on a private transaction and you're gonna be renovating, it has a vacant building notice on it, and you're gonna be doing that work, I highly recommend that you reach out to the Department of Housing Community Development and get to know your local area inspector for the code enforcement inspector for the area that you're doing work in, right? That's part of um, getting to know the members of the community and, and who are the people in your neighborhood. It's like, it's the Sesame Street, the Sesame Street <laughs> song, you know, like these are the people in my neighborhood. Um, it's engaging with the community, not just, you know, the community association. How can you also, you know, work with them on little things, but getting to know that code enforcement inspector, which can help Um, not just on your property, because I will say that we are taking enforcement um, very seriously uh, within the city on the vacant building properties and vacant building notices. And if you're someone that has owned several vacant properties for a number of years, um, you may have seen that the $900 uh, citations for failure to abate are starting to hit. Um, But we also wanna be working with you on that. So you know if if you're if you own a property and it's sandwiched between two other vacants that are privately owned and you can't negotiate something you know and that's hindering we 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 also want to kind of see how to spur that private development to actually happen so i encourage people to also reach out on that the code enforcement officers are the ones that are in the alleys they're looking for areas of either improperly placed trash or also dumping or dumping hotspots. Um, 311, if you see something, call it in through 311, use the 311 app, make sure that's you know done. And then we also have a special investigations unit that will investigate illegal dumping. And if we can um, find the actual perpetrators of the illegal dumping, have enough evidence to build the case, 
we will prosecute illegal dumpers. Um, we actually prosecute them. We have cameras up all over the city that aren't the police cameras. These are our uh, Department of Housing Community Development cameras that we have uh, to capture footage. Um, and this is also one of those things that I talk about with anybody that's a contractor or an investor is if you're um, a developer and you're, you've hired someone, make sure that you talk to them, um, you know, that they are actually taking their waste and the construction waste from your property to the dump to actually pay the tipping fee and do what they need to do and, and not illegally dumping construction materials um, in a park or on a side street or on a dead end street, because that does happen, right? Um, and then we have the, that kind of like, that is an impact on community that sometimes can make it harder for developers and contractors to be working because there's a perception that they're contributing to part of the problem, right? So the other piece is just education. So, you know, we can, we have cameras, we have people on the ground, but we can't see everything all the time. And it is part of that, right? It's that education piece of not destroying the communities where you're working by taking construction debris or a small hauling job and, you know, doing that. Like, let's all be responsible and, and, and curb that in that way. And I think it's part uh, behavior change that needs to come in. Um, and then, you know, enforcement is there, but it is hard to build those cases, uh, which is why the camera is important and, and other pieces. Wow. And that's, it's really good. It's, it's nice that you bring to light the full picture of what's going on. You know, it's not just regular homeowners dumping trash. It's, there's a lot of people doing it. And another point that you brought up, which I found is really true, is that so many times you'll try to sell a house and the next door is a board up and the one next it's a board up. And so many times personally, I've done digging and digging to get in touch with the other owner and be like, listen, we just want to buy your house. You're not even like, we just want to buy it. And a lot of times they're out of state. They answer you. They're like, ah, too much taxes. And they just hang up. Mm -hmm. And that's, we've seen that so many times. And we are, there is um, a couple of different things that sometimes can help. There is a lien abatement program with, within the city, which uh, we might need to do on a, another episode of the podcast to go a little bit further into that. Um, and we are working in partnership with DPW um, to come up with a, a, a plan that would help with some of the high water bills that we see. Because those, sometimes it's not the taxes, but it might be the high water bill that is impeding a private transaction that the city isn't part of. This isn't trying to buy a city owned property, but it's a private transaction. And, and we look at this, there, we as city government can't do it all, right? And we need the private sector to be investing in Baltimore, to be doing this in a respectful, responsible manner. And um, part of that is what can we be doing to try to make that easier? So we are trying to look at a way to um, look at how to handle some of those water bills that might be impeding um, a, a transaction to occur to be able to put a property back into productive use. Um, and also there are, we do have a lien abatement program that um, could be inquired about in that, or it's something to reach out to us um, and we can see, like we said, if it is something that is potentially, um, you know, we created a verb in remable. Um, so, you know, the, to see if that's the case, because if it is um, something that's in rem, we might be able to figure out how to work with that, knowing that 
you're going to be working on that property and then you know if, if we're able to in rem this one then you might be interested in doing the one right next door um, and then sometimes the one on the other side that one might not be in rumable you still can't find it so we might end up in that situation looking at receivership as a way because receivership is the highest form of code enforcement that's like a whole other tool in the toolbox the city does not take ownership to any properties through receivership we never take title we don't do anything we are literally just bringing the case right we're bringing the legal case to hold a owner of a property accountable for the fact that they have a nuisance vacant property that they've done nothing about for years um, and sometimes that motivates people to do things so you never know like that receivership case can motivate someone to start working um, or it ends up going through court and being appointed a receiver and then auctioned at one house at a time amazing now i think we'll finish off with this there's a lot i mean unless there's anything else in the questions you really liked but <laughs> um, what could a, an average investor do? I mean, there's a lot of great tools in the toolbox that we could use. If an average investor, what could he do to reach out? If let's say he wants to buy a property and next door, there is that issue and mm -hmm. it's not in one house at a time yet. Or, you know, what could he do practically speaking to try to make something happen? Who should he call? Who should yeah. he reach out to? So I think one of the easiest things, so we have um, a website, which is buy into be more, which has all of our city owned property that's listed that you can see across the map. Um, and that would be the first thing to kind of engage there to see if it, there's a city owned property that's interested. Um, the other pieces we have uh, information and, and email addresses on our website. I'd say visit our website, um, send an email, you know, interested in specific addresses um, that you own you know this address you're interested in trying to figure out how to unlock this one and then we would connect you with the right people on the team like we said to kind of see okay well this is good to know that there we have people that are active that want to be doing this work in this area and how can we help do that through the tools that we have whether or not it's looking at in rem on a property or um, acquisition on a property or like how to make that happen to kind of unlock something to be supportive because we like we said um, this is about not just us acquiring property to then sell but we also know that there is development and investing happening across the city we want to um, welcome that investment and and be supportive of that investment um, we absolutely want that to like I, i'm going to reiterate again responsible engaged intentional collaborative work with the community is extremely important um, and you know be able to do that so i'd say visit our website um, the city dhcd website our buy it to be more website and just reach out with information amazing and if you're listening to this please do it literally just please do it and then come to me and I can help you out. <laughs> but literally, reach out, it's, it's really worth it. And I had one case where actually, it was a while back, but it actually worked out for the best where we had something going with the city and like it kind of helped. We were able to somehow help with the water bills or something to get the property sold. But it never hurts to reach out, even if it doesn't work, you know, you tried, at least you tried. So thank you so much, Miss Alice Kennedy, for being here with us. And the DHCD Baltimore government. Dot, oh, this is the website. My apologies. <laughs> so visit dhcdbaltimore.gov for all of. DHCD.baltimore.gov. 
.baltimorecity.gov. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, to, to really check this stuff out, get those emails, reach out, and let's make a brighter day for Baltimore. Thank you so much. Thank you.